the Sports Ethos Washington Wizards podcast. It's the dream team here, as you already know. We got Carthen somewhere out there. We got myself over here. Uh, we teaming up the dream team for the Wizards as usual. Carthen, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Beautiful Sunday we have here in Maryland. Weather was pretty nice, uh, so I can't complain at all. There you go. Hey, when you, no complaints, that's a good thing, definitely. Uh, Want to let y'all know real quick, you can check out Carthen on Twitter, social media platforms, at CarthenMBA. Like, follow me if you're so inclined, at CorbinMBA. This is part of the Sports Ethos Podcast Network, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Sports Ethos, online, sportsethos.com. A lot of great content across all sports Uh Obviously, basketball here with the Wizards, but you got baseball, you got football, you got your fantasy stuff, you got it all. So definitely make sure to check them out on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. All right, y'all. Today, got a special fun little episode here for the Wizards. Uh, it's it's a nice one. It got a little mailbag. And a little twist here is Carthen, our Wizards expert, doesn't know the questions. We're going to get them live on demand, just programmed right here for you, all these answers. So reached out. Went to some friends, did some social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, shout out to Instagram too, all of that. Got a, got a, a text question. I got a couple here. We got like six or seven good ones here. We're going to throw a Carthen and have a little discussion based off of that. So, Carthen, are you ready to just get these questions and react right there? Let's, let's get it popping. All right, let's go. This is our first mailbag, so definitely we're going to have um, in the future uh, our Twitter accounts, our respective social media accounts will reach out more and you know, field some questions. But in the meantime, definitely want to thank those who did submit their questions. And we're going to start with Ron who asked, do the wizards have a point guard problem? Monte Morris is not the answer there. And I don't think Bradley Beal gets it done either. Carthen, what do you Hmm. think? Well, I would say that yes, they have a point guard problem, but there's a caveat to it. The caveat is, like I've said in several other shows, the Wizards need a dominant point guard. They need a Brad, they need a John Wall, Russell Westbrook type of point guard. Somebody who is who's ball dominant to keep the ball out of Bradley Beal's hands and having to be that point guard because he's not a point guard. Yes, Monte Morris is great at assist to turnover ratio. He does a really good job of getting the offense into it's uh into the offense. However, he's not dominant enough of a point guard for someone who needs to play next to Bradley Bill. So that would be my answer. But again, mm-hmm. I like Jordan Goodwin. <laughs> But do you think Jordan Goodwin is a long-term – like, I like him too, but is he more of like a – I think he's more like a depth piece for this team. Like a guy who can come off the bench, make some energy plays, some, some you know, clear, simple reads. But I don't look at him as like your guy long-term. I mean, if you look at, you know, like you said, a Russell Westbrook, John Wall, uh, what you have here just now with um, Monte Morris. Like Monte Morris takes care of the ball. He's a good table setter. But I feel like Jordan Goodwin's like a more in that vein of – point guard. He's not the guy you're going to latch on to for the next, like, five, six years. Wouldn't you agree? As of right now, I'd say yes. I agree. However, I think he has the potential to be 
the next NBA Fred Van Vliet. That defensive stopper for that 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 guy who came from nowhere, who was a undrafted uh rookie free agent who went to the G League and worked his way all the way up to being a all defense all defensive player and he can shoot the ball, he can make the three, he can he plays really good defense. The only problem, like I said, with that is, and like you were just mentioning, is I don't know if he can be that point guard that the Wizards need next to Bradley Beal. That's fair. I'm with you. I don't. I don't think so, personally. Yeah, I don't know. You're right. Cause, yeah, I just I don't see it. Maybe it's just me, but no. I mean, it, you, your your skepticism is valid because again, we're conditioned to look at things in a potential type of way, and. When you have players like him who are not highly thought after type players, yeah, it's hard for people to come around and be like, okay, yeah, he could be that. Like nobody really thought that Fred Van Fleet was going to be Fred Van Fleet. Mm-hmm. No, but he played behind Kyle Lowry. Everybody was like, oh, he's just a backup point guard. But when he got his chance to shine and and uh, Kyle Lowry was gone, now we got an all-defender player here. And again, I think he can be the same way. And I, I say what I say about Jordan Goodwin because you have people like Monte Morris. Monte Morris is a very laid-back person. He's not a row-row type person in any way, shape, or form. Great guy. Jordan Goodwin been going at Bradley Bill since he was eight years old. He challenged Bradley Bill to a one on one at eight. Jordan going crazy. That's got, why. No, got, got his chance at 13 and got smashed 7 1. And now here we are. They playing together. And Jordan Goodwin is that energy guy off the bench at this current moment. So. Fair enough. I see what you're saying. He I mean, has that the That's showing me got hard. I don't know if he got the, the actual talent on the floor to be that guy, but I see what you're saying. And if anyone does, like you said, nobody saw Fred Van Vliet as that guy. The very definition of betting yourself. So I will give you that for sure. Thank you, Ron, for that question. Yes, uh, Ron, we appreciate that. Yeah, this one comes from Gabby. Do you think Tommy Shepard will make moves by the trade deadline to try and make the roster better now? Or are the Wizards going to be sellers and try to add assets that will help them in the future, whether that's young players, picks, etc.? Hmm. This is a very interesting question. <laughs> because living here, I know that our owner is not a guy who like who believes in rebuilding. He believes in retooling. Yep. So with Ted Leonsis is about retooling. I can't necessarily say that they'll be like, oh, let's go get rid of 
guys that we have that we we like that are really good and to go and get people that we're not even 100% sure are going to even be good. It's like we give up. It's kind of that old saying that I, I, I keep saying about everybody talking about, oh, they just need to rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. Trade your good players to the good teams and then you get assets and rebuild. That doesn't always work. You got to look at squads like OKC. OKC literally has a team full of first-round picks. And it's taken them half a decade to get to a point where they are competitive. They're not even contenders. They're just competitive. Bunch of young guys playing hard. And when they play hard, you can do good things. That's all they have right now. But it took them a half a decade to get there. And not even all of those players that they've taken in the draft are any good. So you you you're playing Russian roulette and playing playing uh the lottery game mm-hmm. when you don't even know if you're going to win or not but you got a good player right here that's on your team and if they're not asking to be traded trading away good players for quote unquote future assets mm-hmm. that's really what it is future assets you're not guaranteed to get anything it's what's I mean, behind door number one when you already have like an old option right available. Correct. So what I see happening personally, I think Tommy's going to have a really, really honest conversation with Kyle Kuzma. Find out where he where his head is. Because that's where it all is, well, that's where it's going to start. If Kyle Kuzma is at a point where he's like, you know what, I'm balling here. I'm I'm in the process of possibly making my first NBA All Star game here. Yeah, we're not winning right now, but we're we're in the process of building something. I, I'm I'm down for you know really sitting down at the end of the season after I opt out of my contract because any any smart person would understand why Kyle Kuzma said what he said. He said it's not a good business decision, and we understand why. He makes less money if he signs an extension versus if he opts out and then signs a deal after opting out. Washington Wizards own his bird rights. So they can sign him to more money than anybody else could. And the fact that he knows that if he signs the extension, he said he put a tweet out there to say that if he signs the extension with Washington, the most he can make is $15 million a year. If he waits until after the season's over with ops out of his deal, he can make uh, a con- he can sign a contract north of $20 million a year. I'm really good at math. I love math's my favorite subject, but that's one on one. 20 is more than 15, and no matter what math you do. 20 is always bigger than 15. And any smart person would be like, yeah, don't leave. Don't sit up there and leave potentially 20 to 25 million on the table just because you want to sign a deal during the season. He knows he's going to get that money. He's having, he's having a better year this year than, um, than John Collins did 
hit the year he got his deal. And he's making over to north of $20 million a year. So if he's doing that, he knows he's going to get at least that much. So the honest conversation is going to first start there. I think Tommy's going to pull another rabbit out of his hat, though. Really? Nobody on God green earth saw Washington getting Porzingis last year at the deadline. Nobody. True. Everybody in the league, all the players in the league and everything else, when that deal hit Twitter, everybody was like, what just happened? How did Porzingis end up in Washington? And on top of that, they got rid of two problem childs and got a second round pick out of the deal. Right. I was like, I think Tommy is going to pull a rabbit out of his hat. Now, I hope it's not D'Angelo uh, Russell, because I don't think he would be a good fit with this team, which is some rumors that have been out there. Why don't you that, think he would fit well? Because although he is gifted offensively, mm-hmm. defensively, he is horrible. And we already have defensive deficiencies. And to put somebody who's worse defensively with a team that already has defensive deficiencies would be, in my opinion, it would be, yeah, it would be asinine. And it, it, it would not be a smart business decision. That's fair. That's fair. He doesn't score you. enough points. He, he's not that great of an offensive weapon to, to be ball. right to to be um, to give up on our defensive net rating. We're top ten in the in the league in defensive net rating. So why would you go after a guy who's going to make that go down and not improve your offense to a point where it's going to be better than? way better than what we currently have. Nope. Makes sense to me. I'm with you. You're right. Well, so I, I, no. I don't see as to answer Gabby's question. He, I can see him doing something. I can see him pro- possibly pulling the rabbit out of his hat again for, for a off injured player, somebody who's got a contract that's got some years on it that a team wants to get up off of because we have, I think it's six players on the team currently who are expiring contracts. And we all know in the NBA expiring contracts have value, especially teams that are trying to get off of contracts. So there's somebody out there in the league that is going to be, that's an off injured type player that they're, but they are a good player that their team is going to want to get off of. And Tommy has already come out and said that he's not afraid to take big swings. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. And we'll see. I mean, if Tommy, uh, he tries to, he wants to try to win. That's, that's the primary goal. Now, if that happens, it's that available to happen. That remains to be seen, but yes, like that is what he's going for. Absolutely. Right. Definitely. Thank you, Gabby, for that question. All right. Moving right along to our next one. Let me get this one queued up here for our guy, Carthen. This one comes from Samaj. What do you think, and you kind of referred to this a little bit ago, but what do you think is Kyle Kuzma's future with the Wizards? 
Yeah, I guess that's some of these. I'm like, hey, uh huh. It's a, another good question. I mean, yep. I, 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 I did allude to that. However, to answer his question, mm-hmm. I think they're going to trade Kyle Kuzma. You do? Okay. I do. Before you elaborate further on that, I'm going to tie in another question. This is from Monty because it kind of goes hand in hand with this one. Monty asked, is it reasonable to think that we could get a decent first-round draft choice for Kyle Kuzma? Denny and Rui seem to be more logical long-term fits due to age and salary. So taking that question, tying with Samas, Samas says, what do you think Kyle Kuzma's future with the Wizards is? You said he thinks going to be traded. So going from there, do you think it's reasonable that Kyle gets a first back in return? Yes, I think Kyle Kuzma will get a first back in return. And the reason being is because Kyle Kuzma is seventh in the uh, in the Eastern Conference front court in um, all-star votes. Mm. He is he is playing at an all-star caliber level. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of teams out there that are very interested in them, which means there will be some form of um, leverage and maneuvering that Tommy Shepard will be able to use to get Kyle Kuzma. I will say that there's one caveat to um, the question that um, Samaj asked about getting the first round pick. The only way we don't get a first round pick is if we get a young a young high potential talent back. I say that because I've read some stuff out there where someone was talking about um, that Golden State may be interested in Kyle Kuzma and they believe that Golden State should start to move off of some of their young pieces. In, in terms of trying to keep this window open and alive. So if they did do that, I could see the Wizards saying, hey, I want two of those three guys. Mm. And if they, if Golden State is about trying to, really trying to get Kyle Kuzma, which I think would be a great thing for them, mm-hmm. um, I said, I would be fine with going with Wiseman and Kaminga. But if we got Wiseman and Kaminga, we're not getting a first-round pick. Yeah. I know Bradley Bill wants Moody. Moody's Moody was man. Moody was one of Bradley Bill's first AAU prospects to actually make it to the league, if not the first. I know he's one of the top three. But from his AAU team out of St. Louis, Moses Moody played for Bradley Bill's AAU squad. Oh wow! And he's from St. Louis. So I know that Bradley Bill would want him. Mm-hmm. But if I had my choice, I want Kaminga and I want Wiseman. That makes sense. And I have my, I have my reasons for choosing those two over Moses Moody. And what's funny, we're going to do a, a trade deadline episode a little closer to that time. 
um, both on this show and on Roundball Ramble, and we'll explore why Carthen has his targets. We'll get a better feel for who you want on this Wizard Squad and why you want them there. But we'll save that for another show. But absolutely. I'm intrigued by that, but I like that as well. From a general team-building perspective, Perspective. I see some young talent I can get under control that will get some playing time that fit what we're looking for. That probably fits better than the pick that might be good, but might not be. And if you're getting a pick from a contending team, and if you're trying to acquire Kyle Kuzma, then more than likely you are. Do you really want the Wizards to pick in the back half, you know, of the first round again? I mean, at best, they've been maxing in the back half of the lottery. Like, you want to give them higher bites of the apple in terms of top-end talent or high-end talent. So, definitely with you on that. But moving on from there, uh, thank you both, Samaj and uh, Monty, for your question there. Zach. Zach has – Zach's a person after my own heart here, Carthen. Over the last two to three seasons, why has this team seemed to perform better without Bradley Beal than with him? Oh, that's easy. It, again, it's about the point the point guard position. Like I said, Bradley Beal needs someone who is ball dominant. Bradley Beal had his best years of his career when John Wall and Russell Westbrook were on the floor. Those were when he had his best years. You got to remember the year Russell Westbrook was there. John Wall, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Bradley Bill was second in the NBA to Steph Curry in points per game. Second. Yeah. And because of that, Brad, Bradley Bill didn't have to play point guard. He could spot up and shoot, which is where he's at his best. Bradley Bill, when he got drafted, he got drafted because he could shoot. Not because he could dribble. That's something that he he developed over time. Being able to be a someone who could put the ball on the floor and create for himself. He couldn't do that in the beginning of his career. He's still not the greatest at it now. He's got one killer move that nobody can stop with that snatchback. And because of that snatchback, you don't know whether he's going to do it or he's going to drive, which makes his driving abilities that much more because you have to play Russian roulette with what he going to do. He He's a mid-range assassin. And because he's a mid-range assassin, if he snatch it back, you are going to keep going. He's going to come back and then he's going to drop the shot. But if you play the snatch back, then he just continues to drive on you, lace it up off the glass. Yeah. So That's true. With in regards to why they play better with him than without him, it's simple. Bradley Bill's an ISO type of player. He's not one that is a, a player that does a lot of moving without the ball. He's not a a guy who comes off of picks and 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 and, and things like that and makes and just shoots the ball. He he has to have the ball in his hand a lot especially with a team that does not have that dominant point guard. Mm -hmm. He didn't ask for the ball like that when Russell Westbrook was there. He didn't ask for the ball like that when John Wall was on the floor. They they commanded the ball. Whereas now, there's nobody to command the ball from him. 
That's true. And that and that's why I, I said to you in our last episode, I would love for Russell Westbrook to come back next year. Mm. Because I would take a 35-year-old Westbrook just like the year. If you notice with the Wizards, the Wizards do best when they have a old veteran who is championship quality on the team. The last time the Wizards were made it out of the first round was when we had Paul Pierce. 30-plus-year-old Paul Pierce. That one vet, yeah, that guy then kind of like there, right? And that 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 not only it, we're not talking about a Taj Gibson type guy. We're talking about somebody who's been there, done that, proved it to everybody in the world that they could do it, type of guy. And Russell Westbrook is, at thirty three years old averaged a triple double with the Washington Wizards. Yeah, put on fifteen, seven, and eight, thirty four right now at the Lakers. Yeah. So you, he's doing that with the Lakers. Just imagine you put him back in the starting lineup, getting 30 to 35 minutes a game, and he's facilitating. Yeah. I mean, you got to think. Never in West, Russell Westbrook's career has he had a team where he has a bunch of shooters around him. No, I was a guy who that with a friend earlier, yeah, a guy who is top ten in assist in NBA history, only guy to average a triple double in at what four years of his career? Years. Yeah, Go three straight years, years and, and four years total, and he's never had a team around him with shooters. Just imagine Russell Westbrook. With Bradley Bill, Porzingis, Corey Kispert around him, and Daniel Gafford, who he absolutely loves as his big man. Russell Westbrook made Daniel Gafford who Daniel Gafford is offensively. He made him. He made he's the reason why Daniel Gafford got that $44 million contract. Yep. It wasn't just because he could swat shots. It was because he was catching oops from everywhere. Being able to feast off of the easy feeds that Russell's generating. Absolutely. Correct. So you now got a guy that can roll two guys on the, on your on your lineup that can roll to the basket. One of them can pick and pop also. That's, let's not even mention the fact that he's 7'3". Mm-hmm. He's one of the top five tallest people in the league. You got a guy who rolls to the basket whose arm seems like it, it's made out of a, like he's Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Fantastic mm-hmm. and three shooter, three other shooters that are out there with, I mean, two other shooters that are out there with him. Yeah. One, one that could, one that can drive, you put him in the right position, he could drive the basket and get to the basket at will. And then the other one can just flat out. Shoot over, shoot, shoot the three better than most people in the league yeah. when given the opportunity. You put a squad like that around Russell Westbrook, even at 35 years old, Russell Westbrook might put up historic numbers. Mm. You think he averaged what? Awesome. Uh, almost 11 assists a game with a starting lineup where it was literally just him and Bradley Bill? 
True. I, I, I will push back. Only I'm a big Russell Westbrook fan. The only thing I'll say about that, Carthen, is he's not the same player. He's a little older, still got the same type of game, but his shots definitely regressed. You got to think at some point the, his athleticism is going to regress. So, like, I, I think his numbers are still going to look good, but we're not. you're not getting prime Russ. You're not even getting Wizards Russ. I don't think you need it. Again, it's no different than um, – than, than Chris Paul. Chris Paul is not the same Chris Paul of even three years ago. But he's, yeah, but, he's aged more gracefully than Russ has. Yes and no. Okay. Chris Paul is just a lot more savvy with his. Russell Westbrook is known for his athleticism, but he's still super athletic. Can he shoot the ball? No, he ain't never been able to shoot the ball. Let's just be real. He's never been able to really shoot the ball. His, his whole offense was predicated off of getting to the basket and you had to either stop him from getting to the basket in which he dump it off to somebody else and they score Mm -hmm. or he gets to the basket yeah he can he's really good at shooting the ball off the backboard three-point shooting never I, I would be surprised if he had a season where he averaged over 30 percent three-point shooting He's never been he's never been known to be a shooter. So to sit there and honestly be worried about him and his shooting. If I was if I was uh, if I was the coach, whether it's West Onsay or somebody else, I'd be like, hey, you shoot the ball five times a game to keep him honest. Other than that, get to the basket. They still can't stop you at 35 years old. Go to the go to the hole and Go to the free throw line. Yeah, you're only going to make 60% of them, but your 60% gets more people to the free throw line because you get the other team in foul trouble very quickly, which means as the other people get fouled, they're going to end up on the line anyway because you've already used up the other team's five fouls already. So it all kind of goes back to that whole thing of building the team in a way that can maximize everybody's potential. When you have a guy like Russell Westbrook who predicates his game on assist, being that facilitator, but also knowing that he's that guy that if you disrespect his ability to get to the hole, he's going to get there. If you disrespect his ability to make a shot, he he can make a clutch shot. He's not going to make a ton of them, but when the game's on the line, he's going to put the ball in the basket. Yeah, and so yeah, you you put him with this current Wizards roster. I I, I think his assistant. I I think he would average somewhere in somewhere in the ballpark range of about maybe thirteen, fourteen assists a game okay. because of their because of their versatility, even even with the bench. I get you on that. Listen, I'm I, I I think he would definitely be impactful. He would be on a team that I mean we see Russ with relatively subpar talent. Him, him being able to raise the level of play of that is impressive. You know, that's something he brings to the table for sure, and something I could definitely see um, replicate itself again in Washington. But yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. Um, thank you, Zach, for that question. I really want to kind of explore that. I'm glad we were able to kind of get that a little bit of Carthen um, Webster. Poor Webster. It seems that we are stuck in yet another mediocre season. I am so tired. What exactly is the vision of this team? It seems they have no direction right now, and it really doesn't seem like they have one for the past three years now. 
I would agree with you for the past one and a half years. No direction. Oh, okay. okay. I think they're realizing their direction. I think they're realizing their potential, realizing what the team is capable of here recently. Do they get away from it? Yes. Unfortunately, a lot of these teams, they want to be, everybody wants to be Golden State, but they're not Golden State. Mm-hmm. Golden State, they can shoot the ball one through five. Four out of the five of them are uh, shooting the ball at over 37%. And because they can shoot the ball so well, everybody wants to be like, oh, I want to shoot the ball like Golden State. And a lot of teams don't realize what they're good at and play to their strengths instead of playing to other people's strengths. And Kyle Kuzma said at the halftime show of the uh, Sacramento Kings game, that they had a big team meeting and they realized that they need to stop trying to um, game plan for everybody else and put their lineups based off of everybody else and start making people play to them. And they started doing that really well. And that's when they went on their winning streak and their five out of six wins and they're kind of they've kind of been getting away from it a little bit here recently as to why they've been going on their their uh lo- they're on their current losing streak. They they've gone back to trying to be a big shooting team, trying to be a team that that can knock down threes with other teams and they that's just not their game. They're not a three-point shooting team. They're one of the top teams in the league in in two-point uh percentage field goals. Mm-hmm. However, they want to shoot 30, 40, 50 three-pointers a game when you're in the bottom 10 in three-point shooting percentage. So when they play to their strengths, which is being tall, athletic, physical, teams can't teams can't compete with them. And those are games when they're averaging 70 plus game, 70 plus points a game in the paint. Like I said before, when you can put a lineup out there where your point guard six five and the next shortest person on the on the floor is six nine. Yeah, that's pretty that's a pretty sizable lineup. And or you can put a lineup out there where your next tallest person is Kyle Kuzma at six ten. You can play Kyle Kuzma at the two. Yeah. And then go continue to go big. Mm-hmm. You force people to play your style of ball and most lineups are not built to play against that. It's kind of like the, the, the old thing of bucking the trends, bucking the norms. Everybody is playing this small ball five. Everybody's got lineups where their center is six, nine. Everybody else is shorter than that. But when you got every, when you got three out of four of your players, on, when you got three out of five of your players on the floor, that's taller than your center. You play that you you take them and, and and use your height and your length to your advantage. And they do that. They've been doing that very well here recently. Now the question is do the wizards see it that way or do they want to try do they see it that way and want to further e- exploit 
their advantage that they have? Mm-hmm. Or do they want to try to come back down to what the rest of the league is doing? I get you. My I'm opinion. Yeah. Uh-huh. My opinion is take advantage of what you got. Because the reason that Golden State is who they are and the reason that the league is today the way that it is, is because Golden State bucked the norm. Before Golden State started doing what they did, we were still talking about traditional lineups. We were still having centers be first overall, four out of five of the number one, four out of five top picks in the in the draft for a big man. Because everybody said, oh, we need to have a big man. We need to have a big man. And now you'd be lucky to get two to three centers drafted in the first round in the entire first round. Yeah. And they, like and they won't. Right. And they won't go until after the top 10 picks. Yeah. But you turn around and you, you'll hear the, uh, you'll hear the announcers be like, man, like for instance, Mark Williams, mm-hmm. it was like, if Mark Williams was just born way too late, because if he was in, if he was in the draft back in the early two thousands, he'd have been the number one overall pick. If you think that back in the day he would have been the number one overall pick, that means you thought that he was one of the best players in his draft. Take the best player in the draft. Wow. That's true. That's true. See, you turn around and you look at it. If, they could, if the Wizards could turn around and look at, at their bench and be able to honestly look themselves in the face and say, we can play two really big lineups all game and no matter who we put in we gotta we have a shot blocker we have another big man we have our lineups are always tall teams are gonna be like okay we we gotta do something with this but I think that they have to first realize that that's what they are and take advantage of it Everybody, when everybody growing up, when you played basketball, you wanted that tall guy on your team. Yeah, yeah. You knew yeah. what type of advantage, you knew what type of advantage it was to have that tall guy on the team. It's a reason why there's no secret to the reason why the MV, the MVP of the league is always a big man. There's no secret. If you got a great big man, he's going to dominate. Mm-hmm. Especially when you put a bunch of smaller people on him. It's true. It's true. It's just having the skill and having the size. And we're in a league now where the size still does matter. Even if we're trying to more smaller skilled players, the size still does matter. And we've never been in a league with as skilled players as we've had, you know, recently. So that is something that's that's big. Um, but yeah, you uh, got yourself a hell of an answer there, Webster. So uh, <laughs> I'm just sure you got more bang for your buck on that question. Absolutely. But now we're going to take it down to Josh. We have two more questions left. Uh, this one should be a relatively easy one. I'm not sure. We'll ask Carthen. Carthen, how many years do you see Rui being in the league? In the league? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's. I mean, 10 plus, uh, easy. He'll, he'll be in the league 10 plus. Yeah, he'll be in the league 10 plus. He'll play well enough to stay on somebody's team. 
But every team that has Rui on their team, the owner's going to want him. They're going to want him because then now they have the Japanese market. Rui is the most popular Japanese basketball player ever. He's the highest drafted Japanese basketball player ever. The Washington Wizards had two home, I mean, had two uh, preseason games in Japan because of Rui Hachimura. Washington, uh, Ted Leonsis makes a ton of money out of the Japanese market because of Rui Hachimura. They're the, they're, I think they're the second or third most liked team in Japan to Golden State and I think the Lakers. Mm. Actually, no. Oh, yes, it is. It's, it's them. Wrong, wrong country. Oh. But um, mm-hmm. so whoever has Rui controls the Japanese market for current NBA teams. They're always going to get money out of there. The Japanese players are always going to buy Rui Hachimura jerseys. Therefore, he's going to stay in the league. Now, talent-wise, I, I still think it's... talent matters because if he's just... You can't uh, be a glorified cheerleader for the Asian market. But no, but ta- mm-hmm. talent-wise, I think Rui Hachimura is developing... In a tremendous way. I mean, everybody's got to remember, Rui Hachimura didn't start playing basketball until his junior year of high school. He had only played basketball two years before he went to Gonzaga. I mean, you just think about that. He's in the NBA, and he only played six years total before he got in the NBA. Most of us had been playing six years by the time we was in middle school. And he and he played. He he got in the league after six years of just playing basketball. So he's still developing. There's no there's no coincidence that Rui dropped thirty one game and and twenty six in a different game and and he's putting up the numbers that he's putting up. It it's not a coincidence. Rui's yeah. developing. He he's getting better. It's a coincidence. There's no coincidence why Rui Hachimura shot the three-point shot at 43, I mean 46% last year. He's still developing. So I, I think Rui will be in the league 10 years now. How long will he be with the Wizards? That's the question. I think it's going to depend on what happens with Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. And we'll find about that in less than a month, actually, by the time this thing drops. But um, going to our very last question, and this is one that me and Carthen have talked about both on air and off for a bit now. So I'm excited to have this last, as they say, the best for last. Carthen, this comes from Jeremy. Do you have any early regret on the Bradley Beal contract between his injuries and performance this season? Thank you, Jeremy, for asking the tough questions. Carthen, the floor is yours. I don't have regrets on the fact because the Wizards are when Bradley Beal's on the floor, the Wizards are one of the top. Um, I, I saw a stat where the, I think they were number seven in net rating when he's on the floor versus when he's not on the floor. They're in the bottom third of the of the league. And offensive net rating. So saying that I, I regret it, nah, I don't regret it. 
could things have been different? If it, if if it would have went the uh, opposite way, would I have been upset? Mm-hmm. Not really. I would have been more upset had he left for nothing than I am that they would have did a sign and trade or or something like that. I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been upset. Had he if he would have left for nothing, yes. Because we could have traded him years ago. We could have traded him the year that Golden State had three first round picks. And we could have had all three of those picks. That's so, true. That young town would be yours. Correct. So no, I'm not I I think it is more of a roster construction issue than it is a Bradley Bill issue. They need a they need a dominant point guard. There we go. Now, what I would I was going to say what I will tell you is mm-hmm. I was mad the year that they didn't get Tyrese Halliburton. I think if they would have got Tyrese Halliburton, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Now, if y'all would have got Tyrese Halliburton, I'd be a different team right now for sure. That that I don't like to cry over spilled milk, but I'll I'll pour one out for that. Absolutely. Wow. Well, that concludes this mailbag, y'all. I want to thank Ron, Gabby, Samaj, Monte, Zach, Webster, Josh, and Jeremy for throwing us some good questions. Scarthen, thank you for taking the time to answer them all. Uh, this is a fun one. Like I said, we're going to do some more. We might do another mailbag, actual come trade deadline, get some specific trades, throw them out there, see how Carthen kind of feels about them. I'll throw more of my input in as well. Uh, Carthen, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for hopping on, man. As always, listen, tell the folks where they can find you and uh, how you felt about these questions. Well, we'll first start with uh, the questions. I really enjoyed the questions. I like the fact that I didn't know what the questions were, so I couldn't put any real thought behind it and and drop no notes down or anything like that. It just came straight off of the the top of the head. I I gave it to you raw and uncut. I answered your questions as soon as I got them and you got my true and honest opinion right then and there on the spot. So I I, I love that. I I love the ability to to do that because it, it I think it makes our show really unique at the fact that there was no production meeting to to get to get ready for this show and to get ready for these mailbag questions. You, as long as I, as long as I can control it, this is how it's gonna be. I I love it this way. It's your show, so I guess this is the way it's gonna be. <laughs> there and is, so, uh-huh. but you can find me on Twitter at Carthen NBA. Um, also on Twitter at uh, Ethos Wizards. I'm one of the main uh, Twitter. Uh, I'm one of the main people who who tweets on on that Twitter handle, and you'll be able to find me on Instagram at Carthen NBA. Want to start trying to put out some content on there. I'm learning this social media game. I'm not a uh, that uh, social media savvy just yet, but as I start to learn more and more about it, you'll start to get more and more content from me on that platform as well. You're going to get on there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm excited about it uh, to see you kind of grow in that way and add your expertise on the social media side that you have on the podcast. So 
Definitely happy that to have that, bro. Again, always fun doing this with you. Definitely make sure to shout out Carthen everywhere he said Carthen NBA, Sports Ethos Wizards. Like, listen, the guy's great as you see. This is off the dome, y'all. I would have done the production means. <laughs> but as for me, y'all can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA and on Instagram at Corbin NBA if you are so inclined. Definitely appreciate that. I got a lot of good content coming up here on Ramble Ramble. By the time this drops, we're going to have a full first round mock draft of this 2023 NBA draft coming up with my friends for the Upside Swings podcast. So definitely make sure to check that out. That's going to be a fun one as well. Um, once the draft coverage will be there. Uh, going to have Carthen on my show here soon, as I am on his, uh, talking about the Wizards and just how they should approach the trade deadline, some trade deadline targets, a couple of fun trades to see whether he likes or not. We might even run that on this feed as well, give you a little bonus content. We'll see how it goes for sure. But, um, yeah, listen, another great episode. Uh, we will be back here next week, coming right at you with more. Well, actually, by the time you listen, this will be back later this week. But for Carthen, for myself, we frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and as always, go Wizards.